It's October 17th. Canada's gone to pot. You're listening to the 6.30 Chad Afternoon News with Jalen Nye and Andrew Gross. Well, happy October 17th. It's Jaylen and Andrew on this uh, whatever you want to call it. It could be uh, Weed, Weed Wednesday. Wednesday, I suppose. It could be Hump Day. <laughs> if that be. blows your skirt up a little bit more, what we usually It's also Brian Hall Day. Yes, it is. Bad timing on our part, I think, to announce that on the same day as <laughs> a historic moment like the legalization of cannabis. We'll get right to it. Tons of stuff to get to this afternoon. Canada has made history today, becoming the first G7 country to legalize and regulate the the sale of recreational marijuana. Canada now has the largest national marijuana marketplace in the world. The first legal cannabis stores in Canada opened in Newfoundland and Labrador overnight, with hundreds rolling out for the grand opening. Ian Power was first in line. That'll be a trivia question answer at some point at a store in St. John's, Newfoundland, and was certainly a happy man when he became the first person to buy legal weed in Canada. How do you feel now? I feel great. The stigma ends tonight. Prohibition has ended right now. We just made history. Who else gets to make history like this? We just did it. We finally did it. All the years of activism have paid off in this one single epic moment. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's great. Awesome. Are you about that? Okay. My name is Ian Power. I'm from St. John's, Newfoundland, born and All right, right, well, we get all of those questions. <laughs> yeah. It was Ian Power, so remember that for Trivial yeah. Pursuit down the road many <laughs> years from now. We have full coverage this afternoon for you. We're going to be talking with uh, one of the head honchos over at Aurora Cannabis, Cam Batley, who's been on this show before. We'll talk with Robert Noche about about uh, cannabis in your condominiums, in your townhouses, in your rental places. Plus, we'll talk with Tracy Bednard over at the Edmonton International Airport at 420. We'll talk to one of the men who was behind, who helped guide Denver through the legalization process there. But right now... Right now, joining us in studio this afternoon, Ward 3 City Councilor John Zadick and Ward 10 City Councilor Michael Waters. Walters. Can you believe I got Zadick? Yeah, you got Zadick, right? Walters stumbled on Walters? Really? This, this yeah. is, uh, <laughs> That's what you were doing out there on the patio. Uh, murky waters. Hey, uh, gentlemen, your thoughts. We're here. We've been talking about this for, gosh, a couple of years now. Let's start, Michael. Your your thoughts on the fact now that it's here well yeah it's maybe a bit anticlimactic for <laughs> for us as, for some uh, of us for yeah. some of us but uh for sure we spent a lot of time in the last couple of years getting ready and i can say uh pretty pretty clearly that edmonton is prepared you know our we needed land use bylaws, we needed business licenses, we needed rules, public consumption rules, and after some pretty good debate, uh, we have those. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that's uh, important to note is uh, our policies are principle-driven and really about uh, making sure that we did our part to keep it away from kids. We'll see how that goes, and, and we'll know that we'll have to adjust on the fly as this thing uh, continues to roll out. No pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> that has been said about a hundred times I already. I can't even yeah. help it. You got to start intending these puns because if they're good. Take credit for them. <laughs> no, that one wasn't good. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, as uh, Councillor Walter said, we've had a lot of debate on this. Um, not all councillors agreed a hundred percent on where we ended up, but we're a council and we make decisions. And 
I'm just happy that we're here today and we have clear rules so the public should know what's happening and our bylaw and enforcement teams are going to be patient with the public as they get adjust to the rules in Edmonton. The rules that are <clears throat> maybe a bit more restrictive than other places and also a lot more liberal than other places. So we'll have to have an appreciation for tourists in town and, and educate them and on an ongoing basis. But we're here today and uh, I, I'm excited. I got to ask you guys, uh, back when my uh, daughter was very young, she turned to me one day and said, why is the sky blue? And I was stumped. What had asked me before. <laughs> a listener asked me a question yesterday, and I was stumped. So I waited for you two to be in studio. When we talk about the extra cost of uh, associated with the legalization of $4 million, uh, somebody said, well, if the argument is that everyone who is smoking is, all, is still smoking and that this isn't going to cause any kind of increase, what is the extra cost of policing the legalization of marijuana? So I think the, the fundamental cost driver of policing it is recognizing uh, the people who are on it for impaired driving. But didn't uh, they have to do that already? Well, I think that we just didn't have the equipment. We had the equipment for alcohol, and we are still actually developing the equipment for being able to test people for uh, cannabis use, the training of people on that equipment. And it's, all, it's a very interesting to note, actually, that the city of Edmonton has been a leader, and our Edmonton Police Service has been a leader in getting prepared and our officers, or getting officers prepared and trained. Uh, so much, in fact, that we were all done that before the feds announced that there would be a grant program available uh, for municipalities and their police services. Uh, and now, because we were done in advance, we're not eligible for that, for oh. that grant, which we have to continue to advocate and lobby for some justice on that. But I think it's really about the, the equipment, the training of the equipment. You know, on the municipal side, there's there's the communication, which Councillor Zadek talked about, education and communication about what the rules are. is not just a, uh, everything up to a today. We have to keep doing it for some time after. Uh, the extra uh, enforcement resources that may be, we're not sure about that yet. That's part of our learning. So I think we can point to some, cle some clear spikes in costs that we have to deal with. Uh, mostly on the policing side. So, John, um, the mayor, you know, over the past couple of days, uh, supremely ticked off uh, with the amount of money that's coming from the province to help with this. Uh, I think it's about just over a million dollars uh, over the next little bit. Do you agree with him? Should the yeah. province be doing a lot more? I think the province should be doing a lot more. These are situations where uh, we're responding to the what the federal government's doing, and then the the provincial government has all the power here, and it's getting a lot of the revenue. But all these programs and the enforcement is being administered at the local level so the city needs to have some relief and quite frankly the million dollars or so over a year and over with a consideration for two years is not enough to meet our needs I, sorry yeah, were, did you want to well, add to I that? Think that just to add, add to john's good point there is that you know we've built in some cost recovery in terms of the cost of permits and business mm -hmm. licenses to pay for a lot of our sort of permitting costs that are associated with letting, get, you know, helping these businesses get set up. But there's additional costs around fire inspections, both at home and in businesses uh, uh, related to, to cannabis. And just the communications, not just to the public about where you can smoke it and not, but to business, the business community about how it, how it gets set up. And the municipal role on that is is not free. And, and let's face it, oh, sorry, Michael. Yeah, no, go ahead, John. 
And a lot of people are going to be making a lot of money on cannabis. Of course, the stores and the suppliers and all that, and that's good. And then other levels of government. But so for the municipalities to be at the end of this, we're excited for the opportunities for our business and excited for the freedoms that it grants our citizens if it's consumed in a responsible manner. But ultimately, us bearing the major costs of legalization is a concern. So with every other thing that gets rolled out by the city, there's typically a timeline by which you take a look back and see how it rolled out, make adjustments. Is there a timeline for looking at the legalization in Edmonton? Yeah, so in about, I think it's eight months that we have set up to kind of see how it's going from a permitting perspective, uh, from an enforcement perspective, how what are police having to deal with. Uh, so there is an evaluation period built in. And we know, like, you know, I'd be super surprised if we don't make adjustments. Hmm. And if there was any emergent issues, we could visit it a bit sooner. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious also about, uh, you know, all the debate that took place leading up to this with regard to where you could smoke, where you couldn't smoke, uh, what you could smoke, what you couldn't. Well, I guess you can't smoke anything in a lot of places. Are we going to be fining people or, or do you even have that ability to direct by law as to what they're going to do or police? We can find people for sure. Our, our bylaws are there for a reason, but that's not our main objective. Again, as we're both uh, Michael and myself are saying, education is what we want to really pass on. And we understand that not everyone's going to be aware of all the rules and not everyone's going to have a measuring tape on them to understand where 10 meters is. Not to mention a lot of people don't even know what a meter is. So unhealthy step. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So the, so with the, cannabis, hopefully we'll get smarter with the education. I, <laughs> this so is one case where cannabis and education may go hand in hand. So the priority right now is more about the education than the enforcement. So then when right. would we might see that change? Well, I, you know, I, I hope that it's always emphasizes education, that, that our approach always emphasizes education. You know, we need to continue to, you know, certainly in this first evaluation period of eight months to a year, uh, that's that's where mm-hmm. what, that's what we have to do is, is communicate, educate, and, and remind people. Mm-hmm. I don't like in in any new law the stick of the fine as the first approach. In, it, you know, and I think whether we, you know, how much we bring that stick into play, so to speak, down the road depends on how it's going in a year. So it's kind of hard to say now. You were talking about the Edmonton Police Service kind of being uh, leading uh, when it comes to um, cannabis um, enforcement, I guess, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and we had a, a police officer on the show with Ryan this morning who was kind of in charge with that. And he was talking about the fact, and we have seen it across the country, that we don't have that that device well we do we we have now purchased a couple of those Drager 500 devices mm-hmm. but they're not in use yet they're still being trained on they're still seeing you know the the value of them how it works out they're relying on uh standardized road testing that sort of thing are you comfortable with that so <clears throat> let me start with that when we're talking about enforcement i was talking about mostly i know i've changed smoking in public yeah, yeah. and i'm yeah. changing i'm yeah. changing gears completely just when, based on what he said earlier absolutely and it's, it's good to to change gears as we're talking about cars here and uh impaired driving i have zero tolerance for that and that's not an education i mean the education happens up until the point where you put the keys into the ignition similar to alcohol so we can't have anyone driving around high there are quantities of THC that can be in your system before you're deemed impaired. So we have to be really clear about what that is. And uh, that conversations, well, well, there's the rules are set and they're not municipal rules. We need to support the public in understanding what those are, but understand, I personally have zero tolerance for impaired driving. Yeah, and I so absolutely agree with that. And I think the question best asked to the federal government and the provincial government who 
uh, started this, the mm -hmm. federal government started this, and I, I think it's a, there's, a, there's a fair bit of pushback that should be required on why wasn't this figured out. And so now our local law enforcement agencies are in a reactive position dealing with technology that isn't up to snuff. I have said that on this show before, mm -hmm. that, you know, we understand how to measure someone's impairment with cannabis, cannabis use scientifically, but the device to actually That's tell right. us whether they've crossed a line or not is still the, the, the thing in question. And I think uh, I would encourage you to, as we do, continue to press our federal counterparts on that matter. I'm going to summarize uh, about uh, 20 texts <laughs> into one question. <laughs> so everybody, not everybody, but all of those people are all asking the same question. And it kind of cycles back a little bit to my earlier question about weren't we already enforcing this before? But people are asking, they're saying basically there's only one taxpayer. So whether it's federal, provincial, or municipal that taxes us, there's still only one taxpayer. Mm -hmm. And they're saying that this was supposed to be a revenue maker for us. So how is it possible now that on the day that it's legal, suddenly impaired driving is a problem and there's a cost associated with policing it when we assume they were already policing it before and the other part of that question is, if this is such a moneymaker, if that's the reason that so many people were in favor, myself included, where's the money? Why are we having a problem getting money for this revenue? It's never, I've never believed it was going to be a moneymaker for municipalities, ever. Get out. Uh, unless, unless you gave us the ability to open up our own shops, like we could create the Epcor of cannabis, where we have a municipally <laughs> controlled corporation. Then it, then it could be a moneymaker, but that's not what's on the table. So for us... It was always because we don't get income tax and corporate tax. Uh, we beg for that <laughs> from the position we're in. So it was never going to be a, a money maker for us. But police and law enforcement have always policed it as an illegal substance. So that the process, you know, the road from a legal substance to the courts is much different than it is from a legal substance to the courts. And so things change. And, and how we police impaired driving uh, related to cannabis changes as well. So that's. That's why uh, we have to have this new equipment, because now we're actually policing something that is classifiably legal. Uh, so that's the additional cost. Okay, let's uh, take a break and uh, give the councillors a chance to uh, get some air in this studio. It My is so goodness. warm in is here. Is it just me? I, it's outside. It's 23 degrees. Yeah, really. and then, you know, I'm you had all of that stoffer yeah. heat. <laughs> That hot air from Stauffer. <laughs> there, I said it. Is that what that is today? <laughs> yeah, that was it's a comeback <laughs> win. <laughs> oh, oh, what no a game wow. that was. Uh, it's 219. If you have a question for Councillor Zadok or Councillor Walters, you can text us at 630-630. Let us know. The conversation continues right after this. Who is it? It's, it's Dave, man. Will you open up? I got the stuff with me. Who? Dave, man. Open up. Dave? Yeah, Dave, come on, man, open up. I think the cops are Dave's not here. It's October 17th. Pot prohibition is up in smoke. This is the 630 Chad Afternoon News. My goodness, a historic day in Canada. We've got it for you here on 630 Jed. We're joined in studio by City Councillor John Zadek and Ward 10 Councillor Michael Walters. <laughs> uh, we've been taking your questions on the text line. Uh, John, you wanted to add to the last uh, conversation a little bit. Yeah, the conversation was about there's only one taxpayer and how is this tax revenue being distributed. <clears throat> one thing to realize is, yeah, from the perspective of an individual citizen, you're paying ultimate whatever in tax. But 
with the city of Edmonton, we're doing what we can to get this tax rate really low in this upcoming budget, and we're going to make some tough decisions. So it seems a bit unfair when other levels of governments will actually be making revenue off of the off of cannabis, and all the costs are downloaded upon us. So all our hard work in other areas to tighten our belt could somewhat be um, a, a bit fragmented by what's happening with the cannabis. Yeah, and I think there's... Well, there is one taxpayer. There's different kinds of tax, and what the federal and provincial governments will will gain are corporate taxes from from this enterprise. That if the, some of that isn't shared with municipalities, we have to go to the individual citizen through your mm-hmm. property taxes to make up the difference. And I think so. What John's saying is right. You know, we're all really keen this year to to to. Um, spend less in the budget for sure and and that could be undone to some degree by by this if it's not funded properly by the province and what we learned this week is that it won't be you have been talking about educating instead of, you know over enforcement right now this text came in it says what is the city going to do to try and get that message out that driving while high is not safe especially since pot's number one fan mark emery this morning on Jesperson's show said that um for him he says he believes that Smoking pot makes you a better driver. We should stop interviewing Mark Emery. <laughs> <laughs> There's one way to educate people correctly is don't educate them wrongly. I have uh, by, seen some of the signs up. Yeah. Those signs, you know, the big ticket event signs that say, you know, that now right. include, you know, drug use on them. Well, mm-hmm. education is the responsibility of all of us. Mm-hmm. It's not a government responsibility, but certainly the federal government who initiated this needs to invest significant in education. The province who's licensing it uh, needs to educate uh, people about it, and we have a role too, and we have, you know, part of our costs are, are just that. And I think as parents, uh, as, as I am, you know, our job is to make sure that we yes. have our kids doing the right things. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and and not the wrong things. I, I would also add that, like with alcohol, no alcohol is a good amount to drive with, even though there's a legal limit. So no cannabis in your system is probably the preferred amount. But for those just being introduced to cannabis for the first time, if you don't know how your body's going to react, definitely stay away from a car, stay away from heavy machinery, and just kind of lock yourself in a room until you know what you're doing. Yeah. Seriously, in a room. This is because, Don't yeah, operate anything more complicated than an Xbox. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and a bag of Cheetos. Um, you said that, uh, John, that there was a couple of um, uh, cannabis uh, shops that opened in your ward. You Correct. were there today? Yeah, as a responsible city councillor, I wanted to see what this impact would have on in my ward. And it, I mean, I can't believe that I'm having this conversation, but we got to own up to the fact that this is reality and this is something we're adjusting to. So there's uh, two shops in Ward 3 in the Nemeo Centre. Actually, I think they're about 205 metres apart from each other. Wow. And uh, the separation distance is 200 metres. Both stores have lineups. I want to say around the block, but they're not in a block. But one was going around. The, the Nova Cannabis was completely around the store, almost uh, the back of the line was where the front of the line was. And then the, the Fire and Flower was wrapped around in a similar way where it is, it's located. I was on the AGLC website just before I came on the, the show this afternoon and there was a number of products on there sold out. I can't help but believe that this is just the uniqueness of mm-hmm. the situation, that this will all die down and it'll all make more sense in a few months. I mean, is that kind of your take on it? Yeah. yeah. It's like, you remember the Cabbage Patch doll? You know, yeah, the first absolutely. time it came out, everyone had to have one <laughs> yeah. and they were sold out and then I, and then it levels out. Yeah, and and from talking with one of the store managers, he said that people are buying it today in quantities that they weren't expecting. So people are buying almost the maximum amount mm-hmm. that, they, that they could get. 30 and grams. 30 grams. <laughs> so that that's overwhelming the stores a little bit.
Um, uh, it's going to be interesting, gentlemen. Uh, Ward 3 City Councilor John Zanuck and Ward 10 City Councilor Michael Walters joining us in studio on this Weed Wednesday. Thank you for uh, being available on the lead up to this and answering uh, questions. And certainly thank you for joining us today. You're welcome. Happy Brian Holiday. Yeah, happy Brian Holiday. <laughs> happy Big Oilers Win Day last <laughs> night as well. It's 229. We'll take a break here on the other side. Uh, the Chief Corporate Officer for Aurora Cannabis, Cam Batley, will join us on the phone. Behind every good man, there's a woman. And that woman was Martha Washington, man. And every day George would come home, she'd have a big fat bowl waiting for him, man, when he'd come in the door, man. She was a hip, a hip, hip lady.